Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Create one-on-ones your reps will thank you for and use Exvoyant to help your sales managers create unique plans for every rep on your team. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Kelly Roach. Kelly is a business and sales coach that helps sales leaders around the world achieve breakthrough performances. Kelly has a strong history as a Fortune 500 exec who built and led record-breaking teams in 17 locations all around the United States. Now, her programs and consulting encompass billion-dollar corporate strategies, all the way to young entrepreneurial organizations. She is a featured expert on ABC, NBC, and Fox. And in addition, she's a regular in some of the world's leading publications, including Inc. and Forbes. Kelly has helped sales teams of all sizes enter high growth mode and stay there. And we are so pumped to have her join us today. Kelly, welcome to our show. And thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to be fun. This will be, uh, you have a, a, you have a story that I'm excited to share. You have a background that's probably a little different from a lot of the people that we, that we talk to from time to time. Can you start by just introducing us to your firm and, and what you, what it is you do with sales leaders around the world? Yeah, absolutely. So Kelly Roach International is one of the fastest growing online coaching companies in America, and we simplify to help entrepreneurs to scale. So I primarily teach sales, marketing, and leadership to small business owners and leaders that are striving for excellence, that want to become um, peerless in their industries. And I get the thrill every single day of seeing people create unparalleled success in their fields. So that's a cool, cool place to be. We have a lot of sales leaders on here. At any given time, we we get a couple thousand people that pull this thing down just in the first week. And so you'll have some that are young companies, some that are big companies. You're going to have a lot of people that are being interested in what you said. How do you become peerless? Uh, That's going to be a fun conversation for us to get into today. But I want to start with you the way I start with most people, Kelly. If you're like me and many of the people that uh, we work with and talk to, You probably found sales. Uh, You probably didn't grow up saying, I plan on being in sales uh, every day when you grew up. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey? Our listeners love hearing the journey. What was your journey like that not only led you to sales, but ultimately led you to starting your own company? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I never set out to do sales and I certainly never set out to become an entrepreneur. So it's kind of interesting. My sales journey actually began when I was in college. I was hustling, doing three jobs. You know, I was babysitting. I was an aerobics instructor. I was a cocktail waitress and just trying to, you know, get by, pay the bills, you know, whatever. And um, I realized in going out, you know, out to cocktail waitress that you know, it would be me and a group of girls and we'd all go in at the same time and we'd all leave at the same time. And usually I would leave with this huge wad of like a couple hundred dollars, you know, in tips. And there'd be other girls that would, you know, work the same amount of hours as I did. And, you know, they'd leave with a couple bucks in their pocket. 
And so it really intrigued me and I became fascinated with sales because, you know, as a cocktail waitress, you're selling drinks, right? So I really, something just clicked in my mind where I understood that it's not about how much time you have. It's about the time, you know, what you do with the time that you have, right? Right. And so I suddenly realized that becoming masterful at sales could turn a whole lot of no's into a whole lot of yeses in life. And, you know, coming from a family that really struggled financially, I knew that when I graduated college, I was going to be on my own. I wasn't going to have a fallback position. And so I decided that I really wanted to focus on combining business and sales because I felt that that was the simplest way to ensure that I would always be in a position to be, you know, financially stable. And so I took what I learned there as a cocktail waitress. I went into Fortune 500 America and from there translated, you know, that, that hustle, that focus on, you know, turning time into money and started off doing sales myself really quickly moved into leadership and then was promoted seven times in eight years and ended up leading a team of, you know, about a hundred salespeople up and down the East coast. Nice. That's a killer story. I, I love hearing it because everybody's journey is a little different. I mean, today, uh, Kelly, we have people that are going to college because they want to get a degree in sales and they know they want to do that. And, uh, in fact, my good friend, John Barrows just published a book with his daughter, uh, helping women want to go into sales. And it's actually titled, I want to, I want to be in sales. And, uh, we're, we're seeing more and more people want to get there. And so I love hearing your story and sharing it because it's really led you to have a unique perspective that helps people do things. And I love that idea of you walked home with a lot of bills in your pocket and everybody else walks out with a couple of bills in their pocket. And that's really what the job is as a sales leader is how do we get more of our people on our team walking out with more more bills in their pocket. Is that, is that a fair way to look at it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where I think the massive opportunity is for sales leaders, because I think many times the sales leaders focus on trying to grow the dollars by focusing on trying to grow the dollars. And if you don't get down underneath your people and really understand what drives them, what motivates them, what their passion is, what they're working for, what the goals and vision that they have for their life are and tie and connect generating sales to their big why, you're, you're focused on tactic that's going to get you a really short-term result, right? And that is like such a huge leadership gap in, you know, most people that lead sales teams. And then they kind of scratch their head saying, there's so much money to be made. Why aren't these people motivated? You know, why don't they push themselves harder? And it's like, you have to make that connection for them and help them to see how generating more sales is going to enable them to accomplish what matters most to them and then give them, you know, a plan, right? A plan that they can follow that's going to help them achieve those things. All right. So let's get into that. Let's dive into that first. One of the things as you and I were talking, uh, as we were talking a little bit before we got started here, uh, that it really struck me, you get to work with these sales leaders everywhere. You've done a lot with big companies. You had a big team yourself. You've done some with emerging companies. When you see the sales leaders that get it and get it right versus the ones that maybe don't, what separates the best ones from the average ones and how they empower, you know, they're empowered as a leader. And also, you know, what, what, how do you empower these leaders so they can have this kind of an impact with the people that they lead? I, I think that's really a, a, an interesting topic to take to these people that are listening to today. How, how do you do that? Yeah. So I think there's a couple different and very important and unique components of that. One component of that is, you know, the people that are exceptional at either sales or business growth or leadership, they are fanatical about the fundamentals. 
And, you know, they, they obsess over doing the basics really, really well and doing them consistently. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is, you know, people always think, oh, you know, those are, those are the basics. That's, you know, the, you know, the obvious things, the common sense, you know, whatever. But if you look at someone that's really phenomenal at managing a sales team and getting record breaking results, they are fanatical about the basics, right? It's, it's that, you know, it's that consistency of executing the fundamentals well that the leader ensures is the heartbeat of how they operate every single day. So that's kind of part one, right? So let's, start, let's stop on part one. Let's let's dive into part one for a little bit because I like getting tactical. I like breaking it down. I, you use three words that I wrote down on my notepad, uh, Kelly. So sorry for interrupting you. I, I apologize. No, no, it's we're, great. It's we're going to go down part one, but I, I don't want to just talk high level. We've got a lot of sales leaders that are going to say, okay, I like this. Phenomenal. Fanatical and consistency are wrote down. People that are phenomenal are fanatical and they are fanatical with consistency is what I wrote down as I listened to you. Um, I love that. I, I think that those are things that I can get excited about. When you say that they're fanatical about specific things that are the basics, you're speaking my language. It's now you're starting to get into like my version of dirty talk here because I don't think that they're silver bullets, right? I think that, no, there's think, no silver bullet. Amen. And if you're a preacher, I'm giving you an amen, sister, right now. <laughs> yes. So can you talk yes. about some of these things that you should be fanatical about? Because sometimes I think sales leaders don't want to be fanatical about the basics because they worry, oh, am I going to be a micromanager? Or, oh, am I going to be a babysitter? Can you talk a little bit about why fanatical uh, focus leads yeah. to greatness? Yeah. I mean, people crave being led, number one. You know, so many leaders think they're micromanaging and they hesitate to do what they're supposed to do as a leader because they think that their people are going to think this or think that. People want to be led. They want to understand what is expected of them and they want a roadmap to achieve success. So it, it is absolutely essential that the sales leader, one, is, is fantastic at running an effective meeting and doing it in a very short and condensed period of time. One of the biggest mistakes that sales leaders make is they run these long drawn out meetings. They're not productive. So then they don't want to do them because no one gets anything out of them. People don't enjoy them. You know, the whole, and the list goes on, right? It, it, being a, a good sales leader, first of all, you need to know how to set the tone and pace of the day instantly as the day begins, do it well, do it concisely and get people fired up to get started. So that's the first thing. Like you have to be fantastic at running that AM meeting or AM huddle, whatever you want to call it, every single day where you set the tone, the pace, and the expectation. That That's number one. Right? Okay. Love it. Number two, you have to understand how to guide people proactively throughout the day to assess effectiveness, to help them recalibrate when they get off of track to get back on track and to lead them through the day. That could be, you know, check-ins, that could be hip to hip coaching, that could be sitting in on a call, that could be touching based on how their metrics and results are coming along for the day. But you have to be able to effectively guide them through execution to help people recalibrate in real time. Because if you do not do that, you're constantly coaching through the rear view mirror of saying, well, here's what happened. And unfortunately, it's not what we wanted to have happen. So let's try again tomorrow. 
right? Mm -hmm. Whereas a good leader is helping their people to course correct in real time so that if you're halfway through the day, things aren't progressing the way that they're supposed to, you can reset for plan B, C, D, and E and still make sure that by the end of the day, you're coming away with a win. So one of the things I just also wrote down that I like about what you're talking about is coaching isn't just an event that you do once a week or once a month. What you're trying to do is have people be able to self-correct. I think you use course correct. But if they can start to self-correct and they can start to understand uh, better what those basics are themselves because they get it rather than because you told them to. Am, am I understanding you the right way? Is that what you're talking about? That's exactly right. And the problem is, is most people never learn how to self-correct because the only time their manager does quote unquote coaching with them, which actually isn't coaching, is when they pull them in to have a conversation about their performance because it's not where it needs to be. That is not coaching. So what is coaching then? So if that's what it's not, what is it? Sure, yeah. So coaching is where you're actually taking an aspect of performance and breaking down what's working and what's not, and then giving specific feedback to help that person gain an understanding of what they need to do better or differently to get the end result that they want to achieve. It's really that real-time exploration of kind of peeling the layers of the onion back and and un- helping the person on the other side understand how to get from where they are to where they need to be. Hmm. So that peeling back of the onion. And so so is that why that? So I'm, I just want to get a little bit of your blueprint now. So you talked about fanatical uh, focus on the, the basics that immediately led us to coaching where we peel back the onion. So we're looking forward, not backward. What's like a best practice when you work with people that do that, right? What is it they do rather than others? Cause if the others are looking backward, then I'm guessing all they're looking at is reports and maybe stack rankings and stuff like that. I, you know, that, how do you move away from doing it this way to move it away to, to forward to doing it this way? What's a go from this to this kind of scenario that you might throw out to some of our listeners as it relates to that? Yeah, it kind of goes back to exactly what you said when you mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of times coaching is like a one time a month event. Coaching should be happening every single day right? That's why organizations are built the way that they are with layers within them and a limited number of direct reports so that the leader of each person has just enough, but not too many people that they can actually participate in the coaching and development of that person, right? So it, it, it goes back to exactly what you said, that coaching needs to be one of those foundational fanatical basics that's happening constantly in real time and that it's constructive and it's time so that the person can course correct to still achieve the goals. Most of the time in almost all sales leadership situations, what I see is, you know, leaders pulling people after the fact to talk about why it didn't happen, right? And what they want to see next time. But the person isn't actually learning anything. So the person isn't learning anything. So there's no, they're not going to do it any differently next time because all you're doing is telling them what they didn't do. And they're not leaving with any new awareness around what they need to do differently to achieve what you're asking of them. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. So I'm going to drop a stat on you that maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't. And so we haven't prepared for this. I love this. I got you, Kelly. Now, you not know where we're going. I can't wait to hear what your answer is to what I'm about to share with you. Okay. So a recent study was done. 83% of sales managers self-identify as awesome at coaching. Okay. Okay. Self-identify as awesome. That's great. Now let me tell you what the other side is. Okay. 48% of reps say it never happens. And 13% 13 of reps say when it does happen, is it helpful? Okay. Are you surprised by that? Do you agree with that? And most important, 
If you agree, why do you think that that massive gap exists? Oh my gosh. Wow. That's shocking. Um, well, the first part is shocking. The second part isn't. You know, I, I think what happens is we promote our best sales producers into sales leadership positions. And the skills that make you a great sales producer are the opposite end of the universe from what makes you a great sales leader. And the reason why I think a lot of these sales leaders think that they're good coaches is that they tell people how to sell, maybe, um, based on their experience as a producer. But a lot of organizations do not fill the gap of actually taking someone who is a great producer and helping them learn how to become a great leader. And, and that's, you know, that's probably why there's such a huge distinction between what the reps think about what's happening and what the leader thinks about what's happening. Mm. Yeah, that's, it's always been interesting to me because as I work with organizations and we're helping them build coaching systems, it's funny how the senior sales executives know they've got to have coaching get better. But quite often those frontline managers are like, Hey, I got this. Just give me more. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. 100%. I see that across the board. So right now I got a bunch of sales leaders listening to you. Okay. And and they're going to listen to you right now. And right now I want to challenge them. You know, are you self-identifying as awesome or are there things you can add to your game that would empower your reps and empower you to be a better, more effective leader? So let's get back to your punch list. I stopped you kind of at one. Uh, let's, let's get back. So I want to like give our listeners the Kelly punch list of you better self-correct as a sales leader. So you're not one of these people that think you're great when your reps 13% of the time say you're okay. But the other 87% of the time they say ain't nothing happening here, man. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about the AM meeting, setting the tone, pace, and direction for the day, right? In a very short, concise manner. So I want want to emphasize that. So that that was part one. Part two was the course correction and the actual coaching throughout the day. So as a sales leader, you have to ask yourself, you know, of your eight hours a day that you're working, how much of that time is spent in constructive collaboration with the people that report to you to help them actually become better at their job versus talking to them externally on the surface about what did or didn't happen. There's a difference between managing and coaching, and most people don't understand the difference. Management is exceptionally important. It's, it's, it's required, right? Holding people accountable, giving direction on metrics, you know, making sure that people are following a roadmap for success. But management only works when combined with good coaching. And so I think for everybody listening, you can ask yourself, one, are you managing? Meaning, are you holding people accountable on a daily basis to a set of metrics? Are you making them responsible for outcomes and results every single week? What are you doing to help them course correct? What are the repercussions if, if it's not happening, right? That's the management piece. That's how you can audit yourself against that. Right. Then it's like to audit yourself against the coaching piece. It's like how much of your time each day is spending in that constructive collaboration, which is actually getting your sales reps to be better. Right. And that's a great way to audit yourself. And for most people, the answer is zero. Right. So if you started off by just saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to give, you know, an hour a day to helping my sales reps to improve, increase their awareness, improve their skill set, become more effective at what they do. Your results are going to go through the roof. I love that. I love, I love so many things about that. I'm, I'm, I'm processing it. I'm writing it down. Um, so, this comes, what it comes down to is 
just like we ask your, your salespeople to be planning their day, time blocking, you've talked about, you know, making sure you have plan A, B, C, D. As a leader, you better have the interactions with your reps be planned out just like we're asking reps to have interactions with prospects or existing customers, depending on what your sales model is. Am I getting that right? 100%. I mean, this is one of the things that I talk about extensively in my book, Bigger Than You. Yep. You know, you you as the leader should be at working as hard at making your reps successful as you expect them to work at closing sales. And if that relationship is out of balance, you know, you will never become an exceptional leader and you'll never take your organization to the level that you want to achieve. Because the whole reason for having leadership and management is to leader, have leaders create leaders, right? But if yeah. you're only reinforcing followership because you're not doing the, the coaching and the accountability and the elevation piece, then it's like that boulder just slips all the way back down to the bottom of the hill every single day. You never actually get anywhere. You just start back from where you started. Okay, so why do you think that, that leaders don't figure that out? That seems so intuitive to have you say that. That seems like a no-duh, right? I mean, it's like, it, why is that? Is it because they don't see coaching as their role? Do they, don't, do they see it as developing people as their role? Is it a role perspective problem? Is it a knowing how to coach? I mean, I work with companies around the world like you do, and I just got back from a trip uh, to, to Dallas where I had several customers that said, yeah, we don't think our leaders know how to coach. What are your thoughts around that? Most leaders do not know how to coach. That's absolutely true. You Why? know, I, because companies don't invest in teaching them. Mm. Period. They, they just don't, you know, they, they don't invest in teaching them. I mean, even for me, like with my own staff in the company, I'm constantly investing in coaching for them beyond myself because I'm out there doing podcasts and TV appearances and, you know, running programs and events and all of these other things they need more than what I can give them, right? And I think a lot of companies are not holistically looking at what they're doing. They want to extract the results from people, but they're not really investing in what it takes to build the workforce that they're trying to create. I would agree with you. I think you're dead on. Uh, I, I think that um, we spend a tremendous amount of money, Kelly. I'll be sure your take on my, this. Is my perspective: we spend a tremendous, a tremendous amount of money on skills and tools for salespeople to create more consistent, uh, high value and high impact uh, experiences with either prospects yes. or, or customers. Yes. But we do not give the leaders the same thing. It's like asking a digital sales team to be led by an analog leadership team. Hundred percent. That's exactly what's happening. And my advice to anyone listening is if your organization doesn't provide it and isn't going to, go get it for yourself. Because at the end of the day, as a sales leader, your compensation is going to be tied to the performance of your team. So you making that investment in yourself to expand your expertise is going to result in money in your own pocket. All right, so I want to come back. I'm going to write this down. So how do I get good at coaching? How do I learn to coach? I'm writing it down right now. This is where we're going to go next because I don't want to finish. Like, we haven't let you finish your blueprint yet. I got to get your freaking blueprint because your blueprint is awesome, and I want to get the rest of it out there. But then I want to get back to spend some balance of the time of this conversation for the leader saying, man, maybe I am not as good a coach as I thought I was. I want to spend some time on how do I do that. So let's get back to your blueprint, okay? Yeah, absolutely. So – 
we're kind of going through the week here, right? So we talked about the AM meeting. We talked about the flow throughout the day. Uh, we talked about making sure that there's accountability metrics. We talked about the difference between management and coaching, right? And that we yeah. need both, right? We talked about making sure we're coaching through through the the forward proactive action, not through the rear view of, you know, just kind of recapping what happened, right? And then there has to be the repercussions and the accountability around results. And surprisingly, that is one of the biggest areas of resistance that I see with sales leaders. They do not hold their teams accountable. There isn't, you know, really tight management of, okay, what happened and why? What do we learn from it? What are we doing differently next week? How are we resetting going into next week to ensure that the things that we didn't achieve this week are going to happen next week, right? So it's like, it, it's really looking at, just like you would set up time blocks for a salesperson, you know, you're going to spend X number of hours making outbound phone calls and then X number of hours doing follow-up. You're going to be in the field three days meeting with customers, you know, and there's kind of that set of roles and responsibilities. Same thing with a sales leader, your AM meetings with your team, your PM meetings with your team, the, the coaching, the hip tip coaching throughout the day, the feedback, the weekly one-on-ones, right? The weekly one-on-ones are absolutely crucial. And that's where you're kind of separating. There's three things, right? There's managing. That's holding people accountable for the metrics, the numbers, the results. There's coaching, which is skill improvement and increasing awareness and understanding for help to help this person to do the tactical uh, outcomes of their, their job better. Right. And then there's the one-on-one and the one-on-one is where you're really creating rapport and relationship with this person, deepening and strengthening their investment and, and commitment, which is going to be you focusing on understanding their goals, their dreams, their vision, how you can support them in getting there, making sure they understand what they're going to need to deliver in order for you to help them achieve those outcomes and then making sure that there's a big picture strategy and roadmap to go out and achieve that. So when I hear you say all these things and I listen to all the things that go into this blueprint, it's a killer blueprint. Thank you for sharing that with us. Our, our, our listeners just got a, a, a good gem. That's a fantastic blueprint. Uh, I, I love it. Thank you for sharing it. I listen to this and I'm like, holy cow. You know, I, I just kind of scratch my head and I say, why do so many companies have a willingness to invest in salespeople, but they just expect sales leaders to have this skill set figured out without training? Any thoughts on why companies just expect the leader gets promoted and you got this, go do your thing, uh, make him go? Why, why, why do you think that exists? Because they don't do that with salespeople. Right, right. Because on the surface, sales looks like it, has more of a direct correlation with the bottom line than leadership. When, when in fact, when in fact, you could have very poor salespeople, very untalented B and C players on, on your sales team with exceptional leadership and they could easily outperform A plus salespeople. Truth. Absolute yeah. truth. Yeah. And, and, and you look at any organization, they, they fail or they rise based on their leadership and it's short-term thinking and it's a little bit of greediness. Uh, it's a little bit of lack of understanding. If, if the CEO was not a salesperson and not a leader themselves, they may not understand 
what it takes to be a good sales leader. You know, sometimes I think it's a lack of understanding. Um, but a lot of times it's just the difference between short-term tactical thinking versus long-term strategic thinking, really. Mm. Okay. That's a good, that's a good reason. I, I think that's probably fair that we, that as a rep, we've probably had short-term focus, uh, when today, when the quarter, when the whatever period of time is. And as a leader, you start to have to say, I need to expand my outlook a little bit. And I think mm -hmm. that probably makes a ton of sense as I think I've never thought about it through that lens before. I, I like that. Um, so I wrote down three things as I listened to you. One of them I want to get to is how do I get good at coaching? But then as you were answering or, or taking our conversation into another direction, I wrote down two other things. I'll let you pick what we do first. This is going to be a la carte menu. You go where you want to go, okay? okay. One, how do we get good at coaching? So we got a bunch of people listening to you. I want to get good at coaching. I think I am. I self-identify as. They go to lunch with me. They talk to me. They you know, don't want to let me down. So how do I get good at coaching? Number two, you talked about um, leading uh, on basics versus, you know, managing and I would add micromanaging because I've seen some people and you alluded to this, but I want to give you a chance to go deeper on it. How do you, how do you have, I think some people are fearful of getting that accountability, which is number three and really focusing on those non-negotiables because they don't want to be seen as a micromanager. And so I hear that all the time. And I think that that fear stops people from being great leaders because they fear being micromanagers and then the third one is you talked about accountability and people kind of screw accountability up. How do you get that right? Well, take any of those three and I, I, wherever you think you have the most passion, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's just start at the beginning. How do you get good at coaching? You get good at coaching just like you get good at anything else. You have an awareness and a desire to get good at coaching. And I know that might sound like silly, but most people don't care. Most people are not putting a focus on becoming a better coach, and therefore, they're not becoming a better coach. If you sit here today listening to this show and you're like, holy hell, I could be adding millions of dollars to my sales team's performance, and I could take my team through the roof if I become a better coach, and people are going to love their job. They're going to make tons of money. They're going to want to work for me forever. I'm going to commit to becoming a great coach. That person just declaring that and committing to put attention on that is going to see a massive improvement in their skill set. Okay, sense? time out. Yes, time out. That's awesome. You're firing me up right now. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm super fired up hearing this. Okay, so two things. Side A, everybody listening to the show, write it down. I don't care if you're walking your dog, you're at your desk, you're driving in traffic, you're on the, on the treadmill. Write it down somewhere, somehow. I will get better as a coach. Kelly gave, that's like the first thing. You got to get focused on it. So that's the first thing. I hope everybody's going to do that. Kelly, why are people, more people not focused on getting better at that? Is it, again, just awareness? Is it lack of role perception? I, I'm sorry if it sounds like a broken record, but I think it's so important. I want to hear your take on it. Yeah, I here like here's the bottom line. Most people do not connect the dots and understand that they will perform better, stress less, earn more, and have higher levels of success by focusing more on their leadership skills. So if we can, if we can connect those dots for one person listening today that like a light bulb goes off and they're like, oh my gosh, I get it. I get it. Then we did our job today because that's literally what it is. Those dots are just not connected for people. Because like I said, there's surface tactic that seems like it's the thing that's going to get the results. This is one of those kind of deeper understandings and deeper awareness. But once you get it, it's like, the world opens up, the floodgates open up, everything becomes easier. 
everything becomes less stressful. The money flows much more easily because instead of you running up the hill with a bunch of rocks in your backpack, now you have people linking arms and running up the hill together. Love it. Okay. Love that. Um, what else? Anything else around how do I get good at that? If the first thing is focus, make it a priority, choose to make it a skill that you develop and not just assume that you're good at it because you haven't heard you suck. Because that's what else I think, Kelly. I think sometimes I just haven't been told, well, you suck at yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. They, yeah. they have this, I, I fix things I suck at and I haven't, you know, no. Leadership and coaching is a totally different skill, man. And and uh, if you have to only work on it because you are told that something's broken, you're probably already way too late, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's exactly it. So, yeah, I mean, I think practice mastery takes 10,000 hours and, you know, most people have probably spent less than a hundred hours ever coaching. So assume that you, you have some, some uh, miles to do. Yep. So how do you practice this? Is it just doing one-on-ones? Doing it. It's just... doing one-on-ones. It's, it's stretching yourself and committing to practicing listening, understanding, assessing, quantifying, you know, the, the best coach is someone that can take something that's complex and make it really simple for the person in front of them so that that person has an easier time moving forward and getting a result. So let me ask you another thing then. One of my personal, this is again, just one of my personal observations as I've been working with people in coaching. I think one of the reasons that coaching fails is because a leader con- confuses a conversation for a commitment. And I think that a lot of times a leader thinks they're doing coaching, but the rep just thinks they just had a conversation and nothing changes. Mm-hmm. How, how do you get commitment built into your coaching approach? Well, you have to understand that commitment comes from mutual investment. And, you know, people are not going to commit to you unless they feel that you're making an investment in them. Right. Okay. So I, I think it starts by actually you know, I think it starts by actually showing someone that you're committed to their success and that you're invested in helping them to grow and learn. I, I think that's, that's a starting point. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And so people have to know that you're authentic, that the reason we're doing this isn't because I'm trying to manage you or because I got to have you get to a number or else I'm screwed. The reason I'm doing this is because I see so much in you and I'm willing to spend my time and my energy and my insight and my whatever it needs to be uh, to help you get there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that most of the time, uh, because so few leaders invest in becoming great coaches, and it's a handful. There's only a handful of people that I could spit out and say these people are, are ones that I know for sure have invested in that. I, I think coaching is the next big thing in sales, Kelly. It's interesting to listen to you as I didn't know it was going to be this much on coaching, and I like it. I think there's been a huge wave on how you it, how you help reps improve and give them tools and training. But I think the next big wave of sales is people like you uh, that are helping leaders become world-class at what they do in leading. That's, that's I think the next big thing in sales is. Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. So that, that's, that was a good, you know, focus, practice, get those 10,000 hours. I think helping people get commitment. What's the thing people get wrong most often then? If there's something for my listeners that are listening right now, they say, okay, I do those things. What's like something you might advise them? Watch out for this. It's an easy trap to fall into if you're a sales coach. Well, I think the biggest thing is people getting frustrated with their team and confusing incompetence with 
uh, a lack of commitment. You know, I don't think anybody wants to come in and not hit their goals and wants to, you know, struggle and underperform. You know, I think that that's really more of a reflection of the leader than it is of the follower. And so I think when you're seeing that in your people, it's really asking yourself, where have I fallen short and what do I need to change to have this team reflect something different back to me? Done. Love it. All right. We've been giving people some pretty good stuff here. I can't believe that, you know, the time is going by pretty quick. Uh, it's It's gone fast. I think that you've really picked a uh, hot area that every sales leader should really be thinking about is how do I get good at this? How do I have my people on my team know that I'm authentic and I'm committing to them? And then what are the things that I should be fanatical about in order for me to be phenomenal? Um, okay. As you think through what we've talked about right now, uh, and what else as you, as you think through that blueprint and that conversation point, what are the things that you see the, the best ones doing or that you even help them get to do that maybe the average ones? I got a bunch of people here say, I want to take that leap, Kelly. How do I take that leap? What's a couple of other things I ought to be really thinking about right now as I am worried about up- upskilling my team and, and my personal leadership game? Well, yeah, I, I would say making recruiting talent and surrounding yourself with the best people one of your top priorities. You know, people don't realize that, you know, in the beginning, it's all about how do you drive the sales, how do you, you know, get the clients, you know, all of that. But once you have that dialed in, it really becomes all about people, right? Like I can tell you right now, 100% without a doubt, my biggest challenge in my company is acquiring enough of the right people fast enough. It is not sales and marketing. And once you dial your sales systems in, and that's where most people spend, you know, a, a lot of their time, the next problem becomes, you know, how do you find the best people and how do you find enough of them fast enough? So making that a part of your regular cadence as a leader and understanding that the person with the best team always wins. Mm, love it. So let's start. Let's, that's, that's really good. Good thing. So coaching and recruiting are, are two of the top things. Is there like a third, if there's a Holy Trinity, if it's coaching and recruiting, is there like a final piece to your kind of top three things a leader ought to be thinking about? Just understanding that if you want your people to go all in on producing for you, you have to be willing to go all in on coaching and developing them. So what you give is what you get. And, you know, people respond and react based on what they feel that your investment and belief in them is. Okay. Well, then let's start shifting over to the rapid fire and start to wrap this up. I think you'll have a couple of uh, things that I'll be excited to to share with our listeners. Uh, we, we finish every one of these episodes up the same kind of three questions. Ready? Yep. Okay. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge that you've seen and, and how do you overcome that? Not holding people accountable and just do it. <laughs> Love it. So let's talk about accountability then for a second. Everybody, uh, the word accountability, I, I, there's a, there's a infographic I've seen of accountability and it has the word in block letters, accountability. And, uh, and, and, and the word you is knocked over and it's knocked down and it shows footsteps of someone riding away. Everybody likes accountability until it's applied to you, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, any kind of tips on just do it is one good approach. Yeah. Just be accountable. Any, any ways that you might have accountability be seen as something that's positive? Maybe that you get them to buy in and make it their goals instead of just your goals. 
Well, absolutely. The, the biggest thing about accountability is leaders that are great at holding their team accountable don't have performance issues. Leaders that are good at holding people accountable get the best results, they make the most money, and they have the least performance issues because they're doing the right things day to day with their team that prevent all of that. And I think that's the fundamental misunderstanding that most sales leaders have. Good. That's a great one. Let's move on. This should also be in your wheelhouse. Uh, what are the, this is a, this is a request from our listeners. They asked as we get great leaders like you on when you are building a team and you said recruiting is one of your top things. What do you look for? Is there like a go-to interview question? Is there a go-to thing you want to learn about someone that our listeners could add to their bag of tricks as they're trying to recruit and build world-class teams? Absolutely. What is the biggest struggle that you've been through in your life? How did you deal with it? How did you overcome it? You know, what did you do? What was the end result? So what's your biggest struggle? How'd you approach it? What are you looking for when you ask that? Is there something that's like a a characteristic or or something that you want to have brought to the team? What's the thing you're actually looking for by asking that? Yeah. I mean, tenacity, mindset, not quitting, uh, adaptability, problem solving, positivity, optimism, you know, all of those things. You can tell so, so much. And is that something that, that, uh, is, is really revealing to people? Like, cause you, I mean, what, I, I like that because I think lots of times you see people trying to struggle saying, how do I really answer that question and tell you that? Is there, is there anything that you can kind of also say as a red flag in how they answer that question? Well, you know, I always look for people that when they face hardship, you know, pushed through it and came out on the other side. Yeah. I think it's really easy when, you know, someone goes through a hard time and, stops that and just start something totally new. Mm. Um, that's a pretty good indicator that they're not going to be the person on your team that sticks through the tough times and comes out the other side. Love it. That is super good. Thank you for that insight. Mm-hmm. Last thing. Uh, and uh, thank, I'll, I'll start by saying thank you. The time has flown by. We found that leaders are readers. The great leaders are never done trying to educate themselves, trying to up their game, which has really been what you and I spent this whole episode talking about is how do you up your game? Anything you would suggest that a leader that wants to take their skills up to the next level that they ought to either be reading if it's a book or listening to if it's an audible or whether it's a podcast or a blog or whatever, what are the things that you, one or two things you you recommend a leader ought to be putting in his or her head? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm always reading like five books at once and you know, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Leaders are readers. Um, I have a book on uh, bigger than you. That's all about becoming a great leader. So I would definitely recommend that, you know, but I think just being open to becoming more is, is really more than anything, because if you're trying to become more, you will find things in anything that you read that will help you to do that. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. And I love mm-hmm. it. So, hey, well, that's it. I, I, uh, I've enjoyed this. You have an awesome energy. You've done amazing things with a lot of companies. Is there any final thoughts you'd love to share with our leaders as it relates to the stuff we've talked about today? Yeah, I would just say, you know, realize that as a sales leader, you have the ability and opportunity to fundamentally shift the direction of people's lives. So it's important to remember that you're a teacher and a coach, not just a manager or a leader, and uh, make the most of that opportunity. And and you'll see that come back to you tenfold. Amen. Couldn't say it better. How do they get more of you? So people that are here, you'll have some people that want to continue the conversation or maybe they're going to want to get your book or subscribe to your podcast, which, which obviously I want you to share. How do they get more of Kelly? How do they get more of what you do? How do they make a connection and take things to the next level? 
Yeah, definitely. So I would say 100% check out Unstoppable Success Radio, where I teach strategies, you know, simplify to sell strategies every single week. So uh, check that out. And you can grab a copy of Bigger Than You on my website, kellyroachcoaching.com. She's awesome. She's She helps people become phenomenal by being fanatical with consistency. That's so it. Kelly Roach, doing things around the world, helping people go to the next level. It has been amazing having you. And Kelly, thanks for joining us and happy selling. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? It was fun having a professional sales coach join us for a little bit and just talk about the kinds of things that Kelly does to help salespeople and business leaders around the world start really driving how they intentionally improve. Not how they work harder, not how they just get after it, not how they stay motivated, but how do I, how do I intentionally improve? I really liked how she started it. I liked how she ended it. It was really two good bookends on the conversation. She started, she started by really focusing on self-correction versus just performance management. And I think that's where a lot of people make mistakes. Uh, they think that coaching is really managing and they think it's as simple as going to the stack rank report or maybe having a competition uh, on who can get the most activities done. And, and it's not. Nobody really wants to be manipulated. Nobody really wants to be uh, just compared to average. What they want to be is compared to themselves. And so if you can teach a, a salesperson how to self-correct so they don't self-destruct, that's a really killer opportunity. I had the opportunity to sit in on a coaching session that one of our customers was, was doing with one of their reps. It was a manager having a conversation with the rep, high-performing rep, which is always fun for me to sit in on because the biggest mistake that I think we make in coaching is we think we just need to leave the stars alone. And this was a star. And this is someone that's knocking on the door of President's Club. This is someone who's just right right on the edge. And rather than Rather than talk about, hey, you know, just keep on doing what you're doing. If you need any help, hit me up, which is kind of a waste of time. I mean, it does show commitment to them. It shows that you're aware of them. But they didn't leave that conversation saying, I know what I'm going to do differently or what I'm going to do more of so I can be better. We had a conversation on how a rounding error, what that value would be on how going from 12.1 opportunity starts a month to 12.5 every month. What was that worth? It was mind-boggling how that was worth a 38% improvement in production for that person. And it takes them from being about 110% a goal, and it puts them to about 170% a goal. That's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. That's what coaching is. It's, it's not just identifying why something matters. It's coming up with a blueprint on how they're going to go about doing it. And so I think that one of the things that came out as I listened to Kelly is she touched on one of our deadly sins of coaching without even really talking about it conversation does not equal commitment. The great coaches are able to get people to commit to change. It's about behavioral change. How are you able to get your team to want to change? Here's a couple of questions I think you could ask yourself. Do they meet with you in a one-on-one because they have to? Uh, or, or do they really want that time out? Do they want to sit down and have a strategic planning session where they roll up the sleeves and they start looking at if this, then this? You know, What's my, what does my cadence look like? What should I change it to? Uh, how do I use tools differently? How do I plan differently? How do I follow up more strategically? They need to have someone that sits down with them so every rep doesn't feel like they're kind of on an island and, hey, if you have any questions, I'm here, but if I don't hear from you, I'm going to assume you're good. That's, that's just old school. 
We need to be calling timeout, and we need to be going all in. That's how she finished. She talked about uh, she had a really great statement where she said, if you want your reps to go all in on producing, you need to go all in on their development. And I loved that. I wrote that one down. I put a star by it. Made me think a lot as I went back. I'm like, how do we go all in on their development so we can then in turn expect them to go all in on their effort and their production? And and I love how uh, she referred to it as going going all in was being fanatical. She said, be fanatical so your reps can be phenomenal. And fanatical for her was fanatic obsession with the basics. You don't have to have silver bullets. It's the basics. Okay. So. I think it's a good time for you to stop and do a self-evaluation. How good are you really at coaching? How consistent are you? Consistent in the frequency, uh, consistent in the focus points, right? How process-oriented are you? Do you know when it's time to do performance coaching or do you know when it's time to do opportunity coaching? You know, opportunity management and performance management, opportunity coaching, performance coaching, those are really two different things. And you need to be adept at figuring out which one it is so you can have people set the right goals so it feels very relevant to them. It's, it's super important for you to make the make a study of being a coach. Um, I love what Kelly said when she said most leaders don't know how to coach. And I put exclamation point at the end of that. Um, we need to make sure that we are developing our coaching skills just like we want to help our reps develop their sales skills. And if you build a culture of coaching, then skills will come second. I always say um, culture first, skills second. Make sure you're building an expectancy that there will be coaching. Make sure you're working on that. And as you develop those skills, you will find that it does amazing things to your ability to recruit, to retain, to develop, uh, to inspire. Uh, It will turn you into a magnet where you can attract some of the very best people. And so make sure you follow her advice. Time block for it. Practice it. Write down the things that you want to get better at. Uh, challenge yourself to see the areas of impact like we've talked about. There's about five areas that you can see impact as a, as a leader very quickly if you get good at coaching. So I want to thank Kelly. It was a fantastic conversation. Um, reach out to her. She's, she's a great resource. Um, I, want to have, I want to thank you for continuing to listen to our show and to continue to give us great recommendations. We've got some fantastic guests coming. Please, please, please. Go find us on iTunes and give us more of those five-star reviews. We appreciate those. It helps other people like you continue to find us. And as always, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.